0: hello and welcome to the indie podcast episode number seven uh... this episode with steven shattuck of launch cause we sat down uh... at launch cause in the uh... space next to the headquarters of bloomerang uh... which is another uh, company that Stephen works for and uh... kind of the place from where launch cause launched um, Stephen is an awesome guy uh... he's got a, a great heart for nonprofits and uh people working to make the city that they live in, the country they live in, the world they live in, a better place, and to help people. He's created an awesome space to do that. I got to check it out. It's fantastic. I had a great conversation with him. So without further ado, here is Stephen Shattuck of Launch Cause.
1: I am Stephen Shattuck. I am the co-founder and executive director of Launch Cause, which is a Brand new nonprofit co-working space in Indianapolis, Indiana.
0: What inspired you to uh, start an organization like Launch Cause?
1: Well, a couple, a couple of things uh, kind of inspired me to to help create Launch Cause. Um, for one, I, I work in the nonprofit sector right now. I work at a, a technology company that serves nonprofits, and uh, a couple kind of interesting things all kind of happen at once. Um, I, I have a history of, of helping uh, startups launch their companies. So I was one of the uh, organizers of Startup Weekend here in Indianapolis. Did that for three or four years. Uh, loved doing it. I love being in co-working spaces and, and, and learning about new companies and helping people get off their feet. So that was always kind of a side passion of mine uh, beyond just working in my day job. Um, but I had the opportunity to visit... Uh, an organization in Lincoln, Nebraska called the nonprofit Hub. And they have done what what launch causes today basically they uh, created a co-working space specifically for nonprofits in downtown Lincoln, uh, where they also uh, provide services and workshops and seminars and, and lots of great resources for nonprofits. So I saw that and I thought, man, this is a great thing. This is this would be perfect in Indianapolis. There should be a lot more of these. So, you know, I kind of observed the the landscape in Indianapolis and we have a uh, hundred co-working spaces in the state of Indiana, but none are specifically for nonprofits, none cater to them specifically. Um, mostly they are for tech companies and people making like software and apps and, and cool things like that. Um, so I thought, man, this would be great to have in Indianapolis and while that was happening, um, the company I work for, Bloomerang, we were building a new building for ourselves, a new headquarters. It's in, uh, it's in Lawrence, Indiana, on Fort Ben. And we built the building too big specifically so that we could move into it when we were ready. So we have this empty floor of the building and, and me and some of the other Bloomerang guys were thinking, you know, what are we going to do with this? Do we want to have just a short-term tenant or, you know, invite people in? leave it empty for a year, which really wasn't an option because that was going to be very expensive. Um, but I brought up the idea of, Hey, why don't we create a co-working space for that top floor? Um, I'll run it if you let me and it can be really cool. It can be a cool thing for nonprofits. You know, it's on brand for us. Um, and they let me have the, they let me run with the idea. They basically gifted me the floor, uh, for a year rent free. They, um, they front-loaded the construction costs for me, although I'm paying them back the bill for that. Um, and most importantly, the the people, you know, my bosses at Bloomerang are letting me spend, you know, my daytime running this thing. Uh, so it's pretty cool. So uh, all that perfect storm of things just kind of coalesce together um, to create the organization. So like
0: you said, we have... Um, an abundance of co-working spaces in Indiana Mm -hmm. Uh, a lot of people probably that would listen to podcasts might work in a co-working space you know you know what a co-working space is it's a place for people to come together and work and there's um, opportunities and uh, things you can access at a co-working space that you might not be able to get if you're working from home yeah what specifically about uh, launch cause sets it apart and makes it a co-working space that uh, is more approachable, more useful to nonprofits.
1: Yeah, well, I think the fact that it's in the Bloomerang Building, so it's attached to a building uh, owned by a company that specifically serves nonprofits. So there's that kind of that pedigree there. Um, I have assembled uh, a board of directors that truly understands nonprofits. So we have uh, the former dean of the IU School of Philanthropy, the Lilly School of Philanthropy. Uh, we have um, the CEO of Charitable Advisors, which is a great nonprofit newsletter in central Indiana, and we have uh, a consultant, multiple consultants on the board, uh, as well as a former or a current uh, nonprofit founder herself. So I've kind of assembled that board with a lot of the the leadership pedigree to really guide me in making this a place that really makes sense for nonprofits. Um, one other way that, to set it apart is a lot of co-working spaces tend to be sort of passive entities where they're great spaces, the amenities are awesome. Um, you can come in and, and work comfortably and, and have great Wi-Fi and, and great networking, but it kind of ends there, right? It's this passive workspace that you kind of check in and check out when your day's over. But what I wanted to do is provide additional resources to the nonprofit members. Because starting a nonprofit is hard and running one is really hard. And I didn't want to just give people a desk and a chair and say, good luck, basically, because we're talking about organizations that could potentially change the world if they are successful. So my plan for that is is sort of multifaceted. One, I want to have lots of seminars and workshops and events in the space that's open to members for sure, but also open to non-members, you know, nonprofits in the city who aren't yet members or who don't need to be. Um, and I've also liked to have sort of, uh, resident experts. So I've opened up the space to be rented to for profits who also specifically serve nonprofits. So lawyers, accountants, designers, um, fundraising consultants, you know, nonprofit management consultants, people like that. So I want those people in the space as well. Uh, who can maybe keep their door open for a couple hours a day and and answer questions of the members so that the members get the great space, yes, but also additional value adds for being there.
0: Okay. So, like you said, you started out before you you started Launch Cause. You have been working for Bloomerang, and like Mm -hmm. you said, having... Launch cause in the same building and and connected in a lot of ways to Bloomerang mm-hmm. uh, is an additional amenity and something that's good for the nonprofits that yeah. working there. What uh, what exactly is Bloomerang? Tell me about Bloomerang and why yeah. it's something that nonprofits would be interested in being connected to.
1: So Bloomerang is a a technology provider. We make software, uh, donor management software for nonprofits. So your uh, your CRM. So a lot of people listening to this are probably familiar with like Salesforce or HubSpot or other CRM products. We make a CRM for nonprofits specifically. Uh, so we have made that product available for free to Launch Cause members. That's one real tangible benefit. Um, but one cool thing is there are people in this building who really understand nonprofits, and I want to bring those people to bear uh, upstairs in the Launch Cause space. So employees of Bloomerang, our board members, even our customers who stop by the space, I want to create a truly creative and sort of collaborative environments. And I really envision this building being the hub for nonprofit learning and resources in the city. Um so yeah. <laughs> How long exactly has um has launch cause been open now? So we've been open a week as of recording this podcast. Okay. Uh we opened up uh the final week in March officially. Um the construction lasted about three months. We kind of got it started in January. Um That was sort of the official date, but we have uh, a few members that have been utilizing this space since February, actually, even though it was a a little dusty up there and a little rough around the edges. We still made uh, some room for some folks, Uh, but we're up to about a dozen members already, and it seems like I'm giving multiple tours a day, so I don't think it'll be long before the space is totally full.
0: What kind of things are people working
1: on here? So we have a lot of really cool organizations. Um, that's been one of the most fun and kind of rewarding pieces for me is just seeing the types of people that we are attracting in the beginning. A, a lot of them are, are single, single organizations, single person organizations. So one one woman or one man shops, Um variety of different causes. We have social services, environmental services, uh, faith-based organizations. We have ministries upstairs. A couple of cool organizations. We have the Hoosier Farmers Market Association, uh, which is a great organization run by uh, Christina McDougal, you know, real sharp gal. Uh, We have uh, an organization that uh, provides resources to people who have experienced overdoses, people who have experienced them firsthand or family members. Uh, We have a, a children's literacy group. Uh, that produces a magazine, a monthly magazine, and the content of the magazine is uh, 100% created by by the kids. that, that the proceeds benefit. Um, so, uh, but a lot of them are just getting started. Maybe they have just just filed their paperwork. They just got that 501c3 status. Some of them don't even have that yet, but want to get started. So it's it's a rewarding. Um, you know, at least being able to say that we play a small part in getting those organizations and those missions, um, up and running. It's been really fun.
0: What are the requirements or what are the things that you're looking for in an organization for them to come to launch cause and be a part of launch cause?
1: Yeah, it's not super exclusive. I I would say the number one thing is passion. I like to have a conversation with with the interested person even before a tour happens, just to kind of get to know their organization if it already is up and running or if it's not what they hope to do, Um, and and I can kind of see in their eyes if they're going to be a you know a a good member, a a person dedicated to the cause. And we haven't turned anyone away certainly. Um, but I think that this space attracts people, much like any coworking space would attract any entrepreneur, someone who's really serious um, about what they want to do. Um, and I, I truly, that's really the main requirement. I would say we don't necessarily need you to have that five hundred one c three status yet. That's something that we can help you know guide you towards because I know that is a definitely definitely a complicated uh, and long process um but we've also have organizations that are very well established who are maybe two to three organi- you know person organizations that they don't want to spend money on you know the commercial real estate they don't want to get locked into a long term lease or something that's very that's very expensive and when we have those multiple sort of ages of groups there's a lot of cool networking and and sort of fellowship that happens there but there are there are there are organizations that are you know incubators for nonprofits that are much more exclusive. They require you to apply and they kind of put you through a rigorous program. And we didn't want to be that exclusive or sort of that regimented, but we didn't want to be super passive uh, on the other side of the extreme where it's just a room with some tables and chairs and good luck to you. We're trying to find sort of that middle ground. So a word that I've been using is accelerator. You know, I, I think calling us a nonprofit accelerator, I think is probably a fair description Um, we want to help you get up and running, but we aren't going to turn anyone away that we think is, you know, a lost cause or someone we don't want to, you know, take credit for helping get started.
0: So as an accelerator, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you talked a little bit too about how, um, how Bloomerang is, um, useful to nonprofits. Obviously it's a CRM Mm -hmm. for nonprofits. Um, have other technologies um, that are maybe available or, or um, you know, software, things like that, how have they changed the way that nonprofits are run and how do you yeah. see that happening in the context of launch space?
1: I, I, I think that it's made it it's broken down those barriers for people who want to start nonprofits. And it's the same as in the for-profit sector, really any other sector. Technology has made things more affordable. It's made things easier uh, to get started. And I think that is one of the reasons that the co-working model is so popular and successful now because those technologies coming online and sort of democratizing entrepreneurship, um, if you forgive the, the turn of phrase, I think that has really made it necessary for these types of organizations like launch cause to, to exist and flourish. Um, and for nonprofits, it's great because nonprofits, they, they're always on, it seems like on a tight budget, a shoestring budget, they don't have the resources in terms of, of money and time and expertise that maybe a for-profit business does. So any help that they can get, uh, I think is, is truly appreciated and is valuable in this sector. Um, and, and we've reached out to other organizations like us who serve nonprofits. So the, the reaction from the, the business community in Indianapolis has been really positive. So companies like BidPal, who is a sponsor. So they provide, um, mobile bidding and auction software for nonprofit events, uh, 12 stars media, you know, a, a great video company here in town, um, that, that serves nonprofits. That's a strong market for them. Um, and then even organizations that you wouldn't necessarily think of as tech organizations but still serve nonprofits, they also want to be uh, a part of what we're doing here. So that's what I really mean by bringing that community together and making this truly the hub in the city for, for all those support services, all the people who are trying to, to help nonprofits. I want all that, all that good energy to really be happening inside this building. We'll get right
0: back to the interview here in just a second, Uh, just a couple things I want to say. First of all, I apologize for the audio quality of uh, me talking in these segments, the intro and this and uh, the outro. Um, I am recording this on my iPhone in an Uber as I'm driving down the road, so, you know, not going to be the best audio quality, but hey, the interview sounds great, right? Uh, second of all, uh, if you haven't, go ahead and subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud. We're working on getting our episodes up on a couple of other outlets for people, uh, to listen who don't have, uh, iTunes, don't want to use SoundCloud for whatever reason. Uh, we're working on that. Hopefully with our next episode, we'll be up on a couple more places. As always, you can go and listen on SoundCloud too. Um, and if you haven't yet Leave us a comment on SoundCloud Leave us a review on iTunes Give us a rating Tell us what you think Give us some suggestions If you have anybody you'd like to hear on the podcast uh, Or if you have any comments about uh, what we could be doing Better or worse uh, What have you uh, Yeah, drop us a line We'd love to hear from you You can also email us at IndiePodcastCrew at gmail.com And you can also tweet at us We are Indie podcast Crew on Twitter all right, back to the interview. And one other thing you mentioned, it seems that it's um, like you said that there are maybe more uh, nonprofits or organizations that are starting here at Launch Cause that mm-hmm. are just one or two people or a small team of people. Yeah. Do you think that 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 dynamic of smaller, um, you know, numbers of people working in smaller teams or even just individuals working on a project? Um, do you think that that combined with the, the kind of social and cross communication aspect of working in a space like this allows for more people to get into, um, the kind of the climate of nonprofits and activism and doing good in the world? Do you think yeah. that more people can do more good, uh, because there are, uh, the opportunity for smaller groups to do that?
1: I think so. I don't think that you can, you know, point to any significant social movement or or change organization that started by one person working alone in their basement, never interacting with others. I think that every success story that you could point to probably includes people coming together and and bouncing ideas off each other and collaborating and and challenging each other. Um, And some people, to be honest with you, have have kind of resisted, the idea of launch cause, because they don't think that we need more nonprofits. You know, a lot of people have said to me, well, Steven, do we need more nonprofits? And and I think the answer is yes. And I'm, I'm pretty passionate that the answer is yes, because think of the alternative. Let's say that you are a person who wants to start a charity and you do it alone in your basement and you, you go through the steps, you spend years getting it started and you come out the gates only to find that you know, two or three other people have done the exact same thing. Well, imagine if those two or three people um, had worked together from the get-go, right? So I think that Launch Cause represents a an opportunity for people with like-minded ideas and passions to discover each other, and and work together rather than isolating people, you know, in their basements or in a Starbucks or in some other co-working space that that doesn't necessarily serve nonprofits. Um, so that, that collaboration and that fellowship, I think is one of the main draws of the space. And even if you're, you're working next to someone who is working on a, a project or, or trying to create an organization that's completely different from yours in terms of a mission, there's still things that you can learn from each other. So why go through the years and months of hardship and, and making mistakes when you can talk to someone next to you? Who just went through that and, and and potentially avoid it yourself? That's fair. Um,
0: do you? I, I'm trying to think here. I've noticed one thing that's interesting in the last decade, maybe even, is that you know, in in previous years, you would have people creating startups mm-hmm. um, and small businesses and even larger businesses, and there was not necessarily an inclination to be socially focused mm-hmm. but in the last decade or even maybe two decades you've started to see a lot of companies yeah um, whether they are services uh, providers or they are manufacturing companies fashion whatever you know companies like Tom's shoes mm-hmm. Warby Parker yep. that have a social inclination yeah. obviously they're companies that are out to make money like any decent for-profit company Uh, but they also seem to be at least focused or inclined in some way towards social causes. How do you think that nonprofits interact with that? And do you think that um, the kind of uh, corporate, private, nonprofit partnerships that um, are going on and coming out of Launch Cause uh, could reflect that in some way?
1: I think it represents a challenge and an opportunity. So the challenge to me is prior to that phenomenon that you described, it seems like nonprofits were solely filling that gap, right? And the for-profit sector the businesses were just kind of on their own out to make a profit. And the, and as long as they weren't, you know, completely trashing the environment, you were fine. Mm-hmm. But now we have more organizations who, like you said, you know, yeah, Tom's, Warby Parker, Zappos, those are all excellent, you know, examples of organizations that, have a social mission in addition to just, you know, creating profits for their shareholders. So now you could make the argument that the landscape is a little bit more competitive because maybe a consumer would be more likely or more inclined to just purchase something from those for profits rather than donate, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I think nonprofits, there's a little bit of a challenge there. But the opportunity exists to partner with those organizations. So a nonprofit could partner with with TOMS, for example, if, there's, if they also are serving uh, people in Africa or whatever that mission is. So I think nonprofits need to not be so um, closed off and be open to working with those for-profit friends. You know, B Corps is, is a specific certification, a B Corp. Um, that a for-profit can get that kind of signifies all those things that you described. I think that nonprofits need to um, not be so afraid to partner with an organization like that. If the mission aligns and everything makes sense there Um, because the consumer today, I think this is all driven by the consumer consumers today really care where their dollars are going and, and, and what, what that purchase or that transaction really does to the world, how that affects the world beyond just the product that or service that they're acquiring. Um, so it's, it's hard for nonprofits and it's never been easier and it's never been harder. It's this really interesting dynamic that's happening that I think really feeds into the reason why there are more co-working spaces and, and organizations like Launch Cause that are trying to sort of bridge that gap between the for-profit and nonprofit sectors, so you said it's never been—it's
0: that kind of dichotomy. It's yeah. never been easier, and it's never been harder. <laughs> and I think probably some people would say that about for-profits too in sure. the startup market. Sure, it's never been easier to create a startup, and it's mm-hmm. also never been harder for that startup to be successful because there is so much competition. Yeah. So, do you think that that is is similar in the same uh, sense as a for-profit startup to create? a nonprofit is is there a competition just within the nonprofit space to do
1: yeah. things to do good things? I think so because if you look at a for profit and and this what I'm about to say is really sort of the essence of launch cause. If you're a, if you want to start a for profit, if you want to create a website or a mobile app or a piece of software, you know, software as a service, you can do that in your basement. You can go to Starbucks and knock that code out. You can go to a co-working space and sit at a table by yourself and build that and go to market and start selling it. But if you want to create a nonprofit, you 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 have to have, you pretty much have to have a place to do that because you can't create a nonprofit out of your basement, at least up until a point. You need a place to meet with board members and volunteers and donors and all those things. So you need that physical space, that sort of resource network. Um, And the type of person that, that starts a nonprofit, and this is just an observation that I've made and, and it may not be a universal truth, but it's definitely something I've observed is that person is usually very passionate, idealistic, maybe went through an event in their life where they, experienced that cause that maybe they're focusing on. Maybe a loved one had a disease or they had a personal struggle or something like that. And the reason they want to create a nonprofit is because they had such a visceral experience that they want to either prevent someone else from happening or, or help people who are experiencing it. So that comes from a different place. Someone who's creating a for-profit, yes, they have passion, but they may have a background in business or that, that type of, of sector, but you, that person who is creating a, a, a nonprofit, they need more help, right? They have these this great idea, they have the passion, but they need a support network to sort of help harness and guide that. So I think that's why it's a little bit more difficult uh, on the nonprofit side to get started um, not that it's easy on the for profit side. I'm not saying that at all. Um, but you can make it happen on your own, I think, in a little bit more, a little bit easier than a nonprofit, you know, startup or founder would. So tell me a little bit about yourself. What
0: is it that made you interested in nonprofits mm-hmm. and uh, what led you to work for Bloomerang? What led you to start Launch Cause mm-hmm. on a personal level? What what makes you this passionate about nonprofits?
1: I had sort of a weird road. Um, I was a film school dropout. I went to film school for a year, uh, and I transferred to uh, a, different, a different university, Ball State University uh, in Muncie, Indiana. And I studied uh, creative writing and video production. And like all, you know, liberal arts majors in my generation, I, I got done with school and, and, and found maybe a, a little bit of hard time in the job market. But I eventually landed at a marketing agency uh, that primarily made fundraising videos for, for larger nonprofits. So for about five years, my first five years out of school, I was creating um, videos that were used by like Butler University and the Archdiocese of Indianapolis and some other uh, some other smaller nonprofits in town. And um, because I was because I was serving that sector, I learned a lot about it. So I kind of fell in that way. Um, and my wife,, uh, who I've been married to, uh, almost 10 years. She is a, a full time fundraiser. She's spent her entire career nonprofit. So that was always part of sort of the household as well. Um, I, I eventually left that agency and I, I bounced around at a, a couple, couple other for profits and eventually wound up um, back in the agency world. And that agency, when I landed there, happened to be uh, run at the time by Jay Love, who is the CEO of Bloomerang now. He is um, very well-known in the nonprofit sector. He started eTapestry, which is another uh, nonprofit technology firm that came out of Indianapolis. Uh, that company was acquired, and he, like me, he left the sector for a little while and 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 went to other sorts of technology companies Um, and we both ended up at this one place together and he, I knew he was going to start Bloomerang pretty soon. And when the time came around that he had got it up and running, uh, he kind of came back and, uh, and I, I went to work for Bloomerang, um, back with Jay. And so that's been great. And, and that happened, uh, in sort of mid-2013, um, about, almost three years ago from the time of this recording. So that's been great, and, and it's such a fun company. We, we have people that have been working with nonprofits basically their whole career, um, you know, working for Jay, who obviously has been in the nonprofit sector his whole career practically. Um, everything just kind of coalesced, and it was kind of a homecoming for me because I, I had started out in the sector and really enjoyed it, um, but now, you know, combining the, the tech and the nonprofit and, and all my sort of skill set, it's been really fun. Um, and then we just had this, this asset come free, you know, this top floor of the building and we weren't really sure what to do with it. And, you know, they let me run with the idea, um, which has been way more fun than just having some other, you know, random business upstairs. That's just paying the rent upstairs. It's, it's me paying the rent to Bloomerang instead. Um, but it's way more fun and it's just been fun to, see the place you know transform from an idea six months ago into now a fully functioning you know 7,000 or whatever square feet uh co-working space
0: if you hadn't started um launch cause or <laughs> even before that if you hadn't been a part of uh bloomerang if you yeah. hadn't fallen into that would you have ever been the person to start a non-profit
1: and if so what what would you have started i don't know that's a really good question um Maybe. I, I feel like I didn't have a true appreciation of what it takes until now. So I'm sort of fortunate that I didn't do that. I think that if I had been you know very idealistic and had a great idea four or five years ago, it would have been so much tougher. And that's kind of the impetus for Launch Cause in itself is, you can have a great idea and all that passion, but without the guidance and that roadmap, and just learning from people who have already done it and made those mistakes, it can be a really sort of traumatic and and difficult um, experience for sure. And when you're working a day job and trying to get it started at night, and you're worried about you know cutting that off and no longer having an income and jumping in you know feet first, um, that's a that's a really hard sort of decision to make. So if we can help people just avoid even one mistake or one issue or, or, or point them in the direction of that paperwork that needs to be filed so they don't have to spend hours looking for it, um, that would be really fun for me. I, I think that I probably would have started something, to answer your original question, that, that helps other people get started. I don't necessarily have that sort of passion cause. Although my wife has always worked in sort of the Alzheimer's arena, so I think that's probably one that 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 does exist within our household. But I just love starting new things. You know, I I worked with Startup Weekend for years, and that was on the for-profit side. Um, I came in a little late with Bloomerang, but you know, probably a good six to eight months in into the company, so it was definitely a young company when I started. So I kind of I like to say that I at least helped a little bit get Bloomerang started. So I think I've always just had that itch um and and there'll probably be something else after launch cause maybe we'll we'll franchise and, and create multiple locations and other things like that um but i really like i just like that process of kind of getting you know creating something from nothing do you feel like um your
0: experience you know it's n- sort of a nascent experience obviously cuz it's just a week old mm-hmm. um officially <laughs> but do you feel like your experience with launch cause has influenced your work with Bloomerang in the same way that your work with Bloomerang influenced you to start Lost Cause?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Lost Cause. <laughs> I, I think there's way more empathy. Um and I'm not I'm not totally customer facing. I'm not really customer facing in my role at Bloomerang, but I do get out to conferences and I, and I speak to fundraisers and I I lead webinars and I create content for fundraisers. But just talking to people even in the last week who are trying to get these ideas going, who are dealing with the day-to-day struggles. I think it's made me more empathetic in my work at Boomerang, my, my sort of my day job because now I really truly understand um, what they're going through, especially on the small shop side. And my wife has been in that world for for 10 years and she she brings a little of that home um, and I, I, I kind of picked up a little bit there but now it's truly, um, it's kind of hit home this way. And, and I think the same goes the other way. You know, all that knowledge that I've gained about the sector in my whole career, I can really bring to bear uh, to the members of Launch Cause. You know, I, I know I can answer a, a question pretty quickly and, and, and pro, you know, provide advice um, for people dealing with maybe a, a fundraising issue or a board issue or a volunteer issue. Um, and that's just so fun to have that knowledge, but be able to to share it with someone that that really ha- is has a need for it. What advice, other than obviously join
0: Launch Cause, <laughs> would you give to someone in Indianapolis who is looking to start a nonprofit?
1: Yeah, um, I th- a couple things. One is talk to people who have gone through the process you know and you don't have to be at launch cost to do that but but talk to people that are doing something similar to you maybe even if, if it's out of state uh if it's it's far away from india i think that can be good um learn all you can what they've done um talk to your family and friends you know get buy-in on the idea always be continually working on, on, the, on the pitch, on the idea, on the concept. I don't think that you should you know, necessarily run with the, the first thing that you come up with. Um, it's, you know, it's similar to starting a business. You go through iterations and you pivot and, and you adapt to, you know, the environment and changes around you, um, stay flexible Stay at that that full time job or part time job as long as you can. You know, work nights and weekends and, and and early mornings. You know, burn that midnight oil because if you cut if you cut off that income, it can it can be pretty difficult for you. Um, but don't be afraid to jump in feet first and really say, you know what, I'm I'm done with this day job. I'm gonna make this happen. And and now it's the time. Um, you know, don't wait too long either. Um, but joining launch cause would be another thing that you should do for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely.
0: Um, so speaking of that, where can people, people maybe who are interested in joining launch cause or just interested in launch, launch cause in general, where can they find out more?
1: Uh, visit our website it's just launchcause.org, launchcause all one word.org um you can schedule a tour you can you can stop by the building you don't even have to schedule a tour we drop-ins are welcome for sure our, our receptionist will, will send me a chat and i'll, I'll pop out and, and take you upstairs um if you're listening to this before april 28th 2016 that's our open house it's a thursday the last thursday in april uh from 4 to 7 p.m come and see us um, and if you're listening to this and you are a, a business that serves nonprofits, I definitely want to talk to you. If Even if you're not, I want to talk to you as well if you're interested in this project or learning more. Um, but, yeah, visit our website. You can, you can sign up there. You can schedule a tour. Uh, stop by. We're at 56 and Post on the northeast side of Indianapolis. Love to see you. Awesome. Stephen, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs>